career success, no fears, no excuses. This podcast will discuss and debate professional development and job search strategies from baby boomer, millennial, and Gen Z perspectives that will help facilitate the accomplishment of your career goals. You're here with Jessica Duplessis and John Karras with Job Transitions, Inc. And today, we're here to discuss the final sections of the resume. In Episode 7, we discuss the body of the resume, which includes the education, certifications, and licenses sections, and the professional experience section. In this episode, we will discuss the remaining sections of the resume, which will include professional and volunteer organizations, technical experience, language skills, resume closure, and how to handle references. We will also discuss a very important concept illustrating why these sections are important. This concept is called the trade-off factor. Once you have completed the professional experience section, the next section will be professional and volunteer organizations. Listing your professional organizations will show a hiring company that you are interested in remaining current with new developments in the industry or in your functional positions such as marketing, sales, accounting, finance, information systems, and so forth. If you have volunteer experience, this section can show the company that you are willing to give back to the community. Many companies and hiring managers put at least some weight on social responsibility and community involvement. Additionally, this can help in establishing the likability factor due to the decision makers like you, which we discussed in Chapter 2. Depending on space, you can use bullet points to list each organization separately, or you can list the organizations going across the page separated by slashes. The subheading should be professional and volunteer organizations, or if you have quite a few to list, you can separate the two using professional organizations as one subheading and volunteer experience or volunteer organizations as a second subheading. John, what about using dates on these organizations and how far back should you go? That is a good question. Obviously, current organizations that you want to display should be listed first with the date you started with the organization to current, such as July 2018 to present, just like you do when displaying employment dates in the professional experience section. Or you can just put current if you want to, but it is important to show that you are currently involved with that specific organization. Then you can go back as far as you want using dates. I would recommend going back about five years if you no longer participate in the organization. But the job seeker can use their best judgment on that. There is nothing wrong with going back a little farther than that as well, within reason. For example, I do not think you need to list an organization that you have not been active with for over 10 years or something like that. Let's not forget academic and school clubs and other social or school-wide organizations you participated in while in school can always be displayed especially for more entry-level job seekers and current students. These can be displayed as bullet points in the education section, or you can display them under the subheadings we just discussed, or possibly use academic organizations or just organizations. In fact, for more entry-level job seekers and current students, these sections can be extremely marketable to a hiring organization. That is a good point. In fact, when a student asks me what is the most important thing they can do while in school, besides getting good grades, I tell them to get involved. Join and actively participate in organizations, sports teams, or clubs that are of interest to you. 
Not only does that help build the resume, but it also provides a very good start in developing a solid network of people that can help you during the job search. In fact, some of these contacts that you will make while in school will turn out to be some of the best and long-lasting networking contacts you have throughout your entire career. Next, you should display a technical experience section. Some people say that this is not needed because it is assumed that job seekers have the technical skills and abilities that are required for the job. I disagree with this, especially if the job seeker has some advanced, complex, and really marketable technical skills. I can guarantee you that hiring managers will not assume someone is a SAP or SAP professional or highly skilled in a specific manufacturing or engineering program that is marketable for that industry. Additionally, if a job seeker has a pretty good idea of the technical skills that will be required for their job target, why not list them so the company knows for sure that you possess the required technical skills? For example, if a job seeker is searching for an administrative management or office management position and assumes that Word, Excel, and PowerPoint are probably going to be needed, why not have them displayed on the resume? You are basically indicating that you have the desired technical experience. No doubt about it. One of the biggest reasons job seekers get screened out in certain positions is that they lack the required technical skills to do the job. If you have been following the job market lately, employers are complaining that many candidates lack the required technical skills for the position. I know in more creative areas, there are several design and illustration related programs that would be extremely marketable to organizations in those industries, such as Photoshop, Illustrator, Dreamweaver, and InDesign. These technical skills can be one of the biggest trade-off factors there can be. A trade-off factor is something that a company will substitute for lack of experience in other areas. For example, a candidate for a position might be a little light in terms of overall job experience required for the job, but they bring the exact technical skills that are required. The company might trade off or substitute a little lack of experience because the person has the required technical skills. I just do not see any benefit for leaving them off the resume. Again, just like the organizations, you can bullet point each specific technical program or list them across the page separated with slashes. For example, Microsoft Office, Excel, and PowerPoint, slash, SAP, slash, Photoshop, slash, Illustrator, slash, InDesign, slash, variety of proprietary systems and programs or proprietary systems and programs regarding account management, inventory control, and budgeting. Next, if you can speak a second language or multiple languages, that would be the next section. Sometimes you can combine technical experience slash language skills as one subheading if you want to or if space is an issue on the resume. Again, language skills can also be a huge trade-off factor. For example, if you are proficient in Spanish and the hiring company does business with Spanish-speaking countries or has a large Spanish-speaking group of employees or clients, they might trade off lack of experience in certain other areas because of the language skills. Additionally, you can qualify the level of expertise you have in a language such as fluent in Spanish or bilingual in English and Spanish, something along those lines. Now the resume can be closed with marketable or required links. In the old days, people would end the resume with the term references available upon request. 
That is now a dated term and should not be used. Also, specific references should never be listed on the resume. Create a separate document for your references. This document should include the name of the person, name of the company, job title, phone number, and email address. If it is a personal reference, indicate that person's relationship with you, along with the contact information. Use this document when needed. This document should include anywhere from three to five references. That should be plenty for most reference checks. The majority of these references should be job-related, such as coworkers, past supervisors, people from other companies you collaborate with, academic professors or teachers, and so on. In most cases, you will not need to use a current or a direct supervisor for obvious reasons. You might not want them to know you're looking for a job. Most hiring companies will work around that. That's right, and I recommend that job seekers stand pat on that, even if the company really wants to speak with a current and direct supervisor, unless you want them to. Try to negotiate that with other possible people they could call. The reason is, if you do not want your current boss to know you're looking for a job and actually use them due to pressure from the hiring organization, what happens if you do not get the job offer? Now you did not get the job offer and your boss knows you're looking for another job. Not good. Try negotiating getting the job offer in writing, but the company can make the offer contingent on a reference check, but only do that if all else fails. Also, never give the company more references than they request. If they want three, only give them three. Do not give them four, even if you know that the fourth person would try to give you a good reference. However, there is one missing factor to the equation. You do not know what the company is going to ask them. You have no control over the conversation. Right. For example, the hiring company might ask the reference, how would you describe Jessica's management style? The reference might answer, she likes to delegate and stay mostly hands-off and let the employees do their job. However, the company might be looking for someone much more hands-on with a much more aggressive management style or something along those lines. Remember, once you give a reference to the company, you are giving them permission to call them. You do want to prep your references and let them know you are using them and even give them a heads up when you think a company might call them and even coach them a little on what was discussed in the interview. But still, if you give them three, that is three conversations going on about you that you are not participating in. Instead, close the resume with a hot link to your LinkedIn profile if you have a good one, or possibly to a portfolio or website you are using to market your creative skills. If you do not have any of this, just end the resume after the last bullet point. No closing link. However, if you are conducting a job search or getting ready to conduct a job search, we strongly suggest and recommend creating a good LinkedIn profile and use a hyperlink to that. You will utilize that profile as you move into strategies and techniques to actually secure interviews, which we will discuss in our next chapter. Until then, this is John Karras. And this is Jessica Duplessis. A big thank you to all the people who have listened to our podcast. We have received very positive feedback on previous episodes. If you enjoy our job search strategy podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. For a free resume review and initial consultation, visit us at www.jobtransitions.net.